Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Housewife in Training. I am just going to ignore the fact that I haven't recorded in months and jump into this episode. So I've been wanting to record with Ted, my fiance, since the beginning of when I started this podcast. Um, We have been together for like nine and a half years, and I just think it's so important to talk about the realities of a long-term relationship. No one ever wants to talk about their struggles in a relationship for a lot of reasons. It feels kind of invasive to let people in that part of your life and share just some very personal details. But I think with how many people that struggle to stay in relationships, it may be helpful to hear, you know what, relationships aren't easy. It's one of the hardest things you need to work on in your life, but it doesn't mean you quit. Society and social media have communicated this notion of, you know, if someone isn't serving you, let them go. And I personally believe that that thought is why so many people end up breaking up or divorcing or whatever, separating. Well, we're here to tell you, look, there's some really shitty parts about dating someone, especially dating someone long term. But if something is worth keeping, if someone is worth fighting for, then there shouldn't be any excuses to leave. Love is action. If you continue to expect feelings of love to remain in a relationship without actively doing things for one another that help the relationship grow, then you're going to lose and you're going to lose fast. Please also know that we do understand that there are many serious reasons why people leave, like cheating, abuse, all of that. And we're not saying those people need to stay together. But for those who seem to feel as if there's a lot of ups and downs, they feel like it's not going anywhere I hope by listening to us, you'll see how you're not alone in what you're going through. It's true when they say you really don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Okay, and I would also like to note that we talk a lot about our struggles during the past nine and a half years, but our relationship has always been something worth fighting for. And there's a reason we're here about to get married in two months after this long of a time. There's obviously so much more we could have talked about in terms of like advice, especially with long distance, but I think that may need to be a part two or something. Okay, I'm talking too much. Please enjoy this episode of Surviving Long Term. Okay, everyone, please help me in introducing, finally, my fiancé, Ted Baza. Hi, Ted. Hey, Arhi. How are you? We never call each other by name, so it's super weird to even say Ted and hear him call me Arhi. I don't know. So formal. Sup, babe. Sup. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it took me a really long time to get you to finally agree to record with me. What was was stopping you? Dude, you would ask me at like... 9, 10 o'clock at night. Babe, do you want to po- you want to record the podcast? No, absolutely not. That's Maybe the best we'll, time to record. We'll try again tomorrow after I play Warzone tonight. Shout out to Thomas for taking you away from me. Shout for out video to, games. My, <laughs> to my, my X209 group, my boys. <laughs> okay, so do you want to tell them the story of how we met? Sure. I remember it was senior year and I was... Hold on, we knew each other though since yeah. we were like six. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We've known each other. That's not general knowledge, so we have to let people know that. Oh, yes, yes. So we've known each other forever through church, and uh, it was senior year, I believe it was like the second or third day, 
Um, but the first couple of days I was in some like AP history or AP something class. I think it was like economics. I think it was AP economics. Yeah. yeah. I was feeling very ambitious at the beginning of my senior year. And then I remember the first day that the teacher asked a very vague question. She's like, oh, that's right. But this, this other answer is more, more correct. I was like, yeah, you know, this, this, uh, AP class is not for me. Switched out very quick. And then on the second or third day, I got switched into Urhe's ap english class mm-hmm. and she had it we had end up second period yeah anyways i walk in the first day and i see and there's literally one empty spot and sitting there is one of my boys eric reza and then i see across from him is Urhe. i'm like okay cool this is a little cool group of four that we have going on but you actually assess the situation before sitting yeah absolutely you didn't know that no Guys, Ted used to be a popular kid in high school, and I was the nerd, like, just very stereotypical. I wouldn't even say, I don't know, would you consider yourself popular? You hung out with a popular group of people, like, you were the football player. I guess so, but I wasn't, like, a freaking jock or nothing. Like, I didn't... No, but those were the people that you hung out with. Yeah. And I was, for sure, when you're looking at the hierarchy of social status in school, I was on the lowest of Yeah, she was the bottom of the totem pole. And I was like, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I was higher up. Anyways. Okay, so after you assessed the situation and, and deemed uh, our table appropriate. No, okay. Disclaimer, it. disclaimer. I'm not some popular like douche or nothing. I assessed it to see if I would be able to enjoy okay. a whole year of sitting with this group of four people. Not a popular douche. I um, just wanted to make sure that this would be a, a cool group, you know, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. not like someone that didn't, groups I didn't get along with. Anyways. Um, so I sit there, class starts, maybe two minutes after class starts, one of my other friends walked in and he kind of just looked at me awkwardly and I had no idea what was going on. He just took someone else's seat and come to find out I took that guy's seat on the third day of class and that was my seat for the rest of the year. And that was the seat that I used to use to hit on Arhe with for the Flip remainder of the year. to the top, baby. Yeah, yeah. I jacked someone's seat and now I have a wife out of it. You didn't flirt with me right from the start. I was in a relationship until September or October of senior year. Yeah, no, it wasn't right away. Yeah, I mean, and, and you you were friends with the person. Like, you knew him. Yeah, yeah, we were cool. Yeah. yeah. I'd basically just get the homework and the assignments yeah, from Ted you. Yeah, Ted would literally walk into class and be like, do you have the homework? Like, not even say hi to me. <laughs> it got to a point where she was like, can you at least uh, say hi to me first or ask how my yeah, day is going so before rude. you <laughs> ask for the homework? I actually started liking you end of November, December. I actually really, really started liking you, but you did not like me. I remember thinking uh, and talking to my friends. I was like, I don't know, man. She's just too nice. Oh, my God. And not, I, in, not in some kind of sense. I know Arhe is about to say, oh, he wanted some bad, bad whatever. Bad yeah. here. Which no. she always says. But no, I was just from the sense of like, she was so nice to the point where like, I couldn't assess like her personality or you know, any kind of traits that she has, like what yeah. she liked or didn't like. It was just like nice yeah. with a ginormous smile and that's it. And if you've listened to my episode, Confessions of an Introvert, then you would know that I was extreme, not you as in Ted, you as in the listener, would know that I was extremely, <laughs> extremely shy and I did not talk. Like I really didn't talk to anyone. Although Ted is a Syrian, like he always hung out with, you know, the popular white people. All his previous girlfriends were white, like blonde hair, blue eyes. I've, I've literally, literally had one okay, single ex I'm- before her. <laughs> All of his previous girlfriends. <laughs> well, even in junior high, 
I didn't date anyone in junior high. No yeah. one looked at me. Yeah, you know? But that was like your type then. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Is that still your type now? Then, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Anyways, what was I saying? Um, oh, yeah. Because I was so shy, I never like let people in or would never really show anyone my true personality just because I felt like I would always get judged for it. And to Ted, that came off as just, you know. It like, wasn't like a negative per se, but I just... Yeah. I couldn't really base a decision off of it. And someone actually told you on your football team, someone hella random told you I liked you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember Kyle that. Kyle Brown. No, no, We're no, just no. dropping Kyle names. Biggs, Kyle Biggs. Kyle Biggs? Oh, yeah, yeah Kyle Biggs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were like leaving football practice and he, he was like, I know someone that likes you. And I felt like we we're in like junior high. I was like, who? In in my head, I was like, there's only one person that I think I could be. And then... Um, so you thought me? Yeah, instantly. Cool. And... and uh I mean, he said your name right after that. Yeah. And I walk away smiling. I was like, yeah. So you liked that I liked you. Yeah, hell yeah. But you still were on the fence about liking me. Um, It wasn't like on the fence. I I think I was thinking too superficial then. It was more of like a, yeah, she likes me. She's hella pretty. Oh, so you so thought like, I was pretty. So like, let's see where this goes type things. Um, And you actually sent me a text Christmas Eve when we were going to church, you sent me this long ass text about how you don't want a relationship, how like, you oh know, God, yeah, because yeah, we would text a little bit and I would always flirt with him. And then like he would just he would stop replying to me. We were Snapchatting for a bit. And then I'll never forget New Year's was the last Snapchat I got from you. Mm-hmm. And I think you may have like told yourself like, OK, I'm just like not going to. I definitely didn't tell myself that. I kind of just. I don't remember. You just stopped replying to me. Yeah. I mean, I didn't really give it a second thought. And I went through the biggest meltdown. Not meltdown, but okay. Mind you, before then it was, how do I say, like, I never really had to chase someone's attention. And like Ted was the first person I really had to chase their, you know, chase for them to like me. Younger crowd, if you're listening, take diligent notes. Go (laughs) continue, please. Um, And I didn't know why. So... I made it a point like that's it like after after winter break like I'm gonna show him and I had a guy friend at the time do you remember him I'm not gonna say his name yeah yeah that I would tell you know I really like this guy anyways he doesn't like me and so we made a plan that like he he actually liked me but we made a plan that he would message me during class so you could see his name and get jealous yeah and I remember I was like she has her phone like oddly close to me I was like whatever and like the, it was obviously unlocked. And then I see she gets a text from him. I'm all, I'm all, hey, you got to look at your phone. You have a text. And I remember getting like kind of annoyed and jealous. And the text said you're gorgeous. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's time to apply the pressure a little bit here. And I, I remember thinking, I was like, oh, she's kind of backing off a little bit. Yeah, because I, like, I remember put it in my that. head. I yeah. don't care how much this guy flirts with me. Like I will not give in. Did it work, guys? You tell me. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. Like, we continued to, like, flirt a little bit. I just applied the... I just started flirting with you, like, just... I think more directly, yeah. I would say. That poor guy that messaged me, you're gorgeous. I forgot about him. And then we hit, like, a good flirting stride, I guess. And then I asked her to prom, which is... <laughs> which is funny. Yeah. He gave like, me the way ex- I asked, yeah, not me Yeah, he gave me expired her. chocolate. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> My mom just said, here, we have chocolate at home. And it was Toblerone, which is good. Yeah. You know, quote, unquote, fancy chocolate. So I was like, sure, perfect. And it saves me a trip. And it was expired as hell. I think after prom, that was basically it. We continued to talk. You weren't really talking to anyone else. 
right? Yeah, no, of yeah, course yeah. not. Yeah, we we, but we it's kissed not... on prom, and I'm not going to kiss you and talk to other people. We kissed before prom. Our first kiss was in your orchard. You don't remember? No, of course I remember our first kiss, Ray. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, like prom kind of solidified it is what I was getting at. You wanted a bad bitch, so maybe you were... For sure. How would you have defined our relationship then? Because we weren't dating. 100% friends with benefits. <laughs> <laughs> for sure and i remember telling uh my boy victor that and he was the first person to tell me like dude you guys are gonna end up dating i was like nah man i don't think so and he's like trust me you guys are gonna end up dating and then i remember one time we were hanging out i don't remember what we we're talking about or doing but we were making out okay i was trying to keep it pg but i winked <laughs> i winked at her when i was saying that all right i guess we're not keeping pg so yeah we're making out and uh i kind of just stopped and kind of went back a little bit i was like what are we gonna do like what like oh yeah because oh, you I were said, moving to uc merced yeah i was like i said I, something along the lines of like what happens when i go to merced and then i think i don't remember the exact words after that but it was like a couple second thing we kind of decided like yeah we're gonna move forward with this i don't know if i ever told you this this is when i started freaking out a little bit so you know how this was like around april okay. and i told you i didn't want to start dating until after high school yeah, yeah. so you know how I was chasing you mm-hmm. and like I just like needed you to like me back. Yeah. When you made it more serious, that's when I was like, oh my God, like I need, I need time. Like, I don't know how to explain it. Does- yeah, yeah. I don't think you've ever told me that, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's why I had said, let's wait until after high school, just because I felt like I needed time. To see if you were down? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Because <laughs> now that I had you, I don't know if I still wanted you. Okay. You know? Right. That's fine. That's just, yeah, I was a little player player too. Well, I mean, whatever happened, whatever we did and worked out. Yeah. I think we can transition to talking about, you know, the first year of our relationship now, Mm -hmm. the golden year. Yeah. Anything but in in actuality, but. That year we should have broken up. 100%. And I don't even want to say in my defense, but just background, that was my first serious relationship. And I kind of treated it as like, she was an extension of one of my boys kind of thing. I never viewed it as like a. Hence, RJ. Yeah, my boy RJ. It started from day one. I don't know. I guess I I definitely didn't act like a boyfriend in the beginning. I just, again, viewed it as like a, oh, she's with me now. Like, she's cool. Like, like we're We're together. friends. Yeah, I don't like, know. Oh, well, I shouldn't even say friends. I think something that was interesting about our relationship, too, is that we didn't start off as really close friends. Yeah, we were friends, but we jumped to liking each other. So we had to build that, like, best friend or friendship, yeah. right, during yeah. our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And we were 18. You were still in your party phase. I wouldn't even say, like, it's not like you went out drinking or anything, but your friends would always... You did? I don't remember. Yeah, I'd go to parties, but I'm not, like, I wasn't like a... You weren't getting drunk. No, I mean, I drink a little bit, but nothing crazy. Yeah, and instead of taking me with you, you kind of made our lives very, very separate. Your friends and I... It, it was like you were living two different lives, like one, one with your friends and one with me. Yeah. And I never hung out with your friends. That was never, ever intentional. I just, like... Legit, never thought about it. Again, I wasn't acting like a boyfriend. I wasn't thinking like a boyfriend, you know? Um, Yeah, I just never crossed my mind. And certain things that I would get really upset with, I think you just didn't at the time under, like, why would she get upset with that? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Like the perfume thing that I always mention. (laughs) Can I tell that story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. He went to a church conference, and any trip he would go to, I would ruin it. It was the... Fucking I, worst. I can't tell. I, he just cussed. 
Oh, I oh it's okay. You said bad bitch earlier. <laughs> it's okay. Um, what was I saying? How pretty I am. No, you went to this church youth conference. Yes, And yes. there was already a girl there that I just didn't really like. And you were friends with her, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Ted thought it would be a genius. He knew I didn't like this girl, but Ted thought it would be a genius idea to text this girl what perfume she was wearing because he thought she smelled so good that he wanted me to smell like that. Look, guys, I fully, fully realize how stupid that sounds. But in my 18-year-old brain, very objectively speaking, I was like, this scent is awesome. I would like Arhe to smell like this. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. it would smell good on Arhe. And I um, remember just yelling on you, like, you want me to smell like another bitch? Because again, I was thinking of it so objectively to where like I, I saw no wrong with it. Anyone wrong. who's young right now and I'm listening, please don't text another girl and ask for her necklace, her perfume, her anything. Her anything. I don't even want you to ask like where you got, I don't know, that lipstick from. Because yeah, then it's going to turn into why, why the hell are you staring at her lips? <laughs> yeah. By the grace of God, I don't know. We made it through year one. Made it, baby. Well, still have uh, another eight years to explain. So yeah, buckle up, guys. So year one to year three was how would you it describe? Like, it was like decent, you know. It was it was there. It was there. Like, no, we, we loved... definitely loved each other. Yeah. We were just super young. And something that you need to know, especially if you're younger and you're dating someone, when you're eighteen to twenty-two, I know that in your head you're thinking, "I'm mature. I know what I want." You know, this is who I am. I don't know. You just, you see things at that age as so much more serious than it actually is, right? Yeah. And not to sound like mean or anything like that, but as as much as like every 18-year-old on this earth thinks like, like what he was saying, that they're very mature or what have you, um, definitely not the case. We just grew up so much, I would say, together. And especially considering the fact that, like Jorge said, we didn't have that best friendship beforehand before we dating we kind of just instantly started dating so yeah we did a lot of growing yeah. up in general too but in those ages 18 to 22 you know going through college that's i think when you're truly discovering yourself yeah right so you are 10 million versions of yourself during that time because these years are so sensitive too, you allow a lot of outside voices in yeah. in telling you what you what you should do, what you should accept, what you, how you should think. Yeah, like how things should be because you see it. I mean, at least for me, I can say like I saw it as, uh, you know, like these people I've experienced, you know, they know what they're talking about, you know. Yeah, and this actually goes into kind of advice too is I don't think or we don't think that you should ever open up to people about what's going on between your relationship. I definitely understand the aspect of like I need someone to talk to. Yeah. But if you're not careful with who that person is you are getting opinions that don't matter and have no place in your relationship yeah and no you definitely have to trust that person because if that person goes and tells literally anyone else now you have not only one person but possibly multiple people that could have a negative false impression of your significant other exactly so all they're hearing every time you talk about your relationship it's going to be bad things you know so of course naturally people are going to have a bad picture of your significant other you know that's just an additional headache um to the younger crowd whoever's listening obviously we know that you need to vent to someone at times you need to talk to people but just be careful who that person is another thing about this time period in your life is woman it's 
plenty of research has shown women mature very or much faster than men, or we just think about things differently. And so to us during 18 to 22, everything is an extreme. You do this, it must mean that you feel this way. Or is this how you're going to be when we're married? Or is this what you're going to do or say to our children? You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's very like that. And it's because women think a lot about the future, whereas men are very much more present. Yeah, and I think uh, even going from general to specific, like with me and you, I think you, you carried that exact concept. You carried that out in your daily life and how you thought. For example, um, like the, the, that's what you thought about. You know, like if I were to do something bad, you, you would think like, would my future husband, would I want my future husband yeah, to exactly. be or like this? Yeah, exactly. Or is this the father of my children? Yeah, this exactly. Is what I want the father of my children to do? And mind you, you're like 21. Yeah, so she embodied that concept. And for me specifically, a uh, little background, I dealt with a, a lot growing up with my dad as far as like uh, medical conditions that he's had to endure. So from a very, very young age, my parents instilled a lot in me as far as, you know, patience, being positive and uh, not freaking out or stressing over things you can't control. So long story short, I'm a very chill guy and I don't think a lot of things are a big deal. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. So chill to the point where it pisses me off sometimes. Whereas I am the complete opposite. I, and I'm just like my mom where everything is a big deal. Things need to happen right now. Um, everything's always the worst. I don't know. So we came from very different like probably ex- experiences and upbringings in that sense. Yeah, like polar opposites. Like it takes a lot for me to consider something as a big deal. Yeah, like, I remember always thinking like, dude, it's not that deep. Like it's okay, you know. Yeah. But so he we thought were. I was way too serious. Oh, absolutely. It still is, but you know, that's a different. There were very common themes in our fights, though, back then, you know, in an argument with a couple or any type of relationship, it's very rarely about the actual subject you're arguing about. There's always a bigger picture. Something that I would constantly fight with you about was I would call you late at night when I was walking from uh, my classroom. It was like 10 o'clock at night back to my car in college, and you would never pick up when you were with your friends. Yeah, that was – I viewed that as like – Oh, like my boys are going to see me on the phone with my girl as if that's such a bad freaking thing. Anyways. Yeah, but exact. this just goes back to allowing those outside voices in of how you think that you should be in a relationship. And yeah, I didn't want to seem like, like whipped, whipped or anything. For answering your girlfriend's phone while she's walking to her car at night. Yeah, but late at night yeah. when it's dark, you know safety it should be yeah, number well, one exactly. for every boyfriend every fiance every husband and i had a very hard time with that and i used to tell ted too and again this is when we were 18 to 22 i would tell him i don't lean on you for safety and it would always be my dad and my brother and i would always question like when is that going to transition to now i lean on my boyfriend or future husband and that would really affect me in terms of i just never felt like you were protecting me in that sense, right? So it was not about walking to my car. It was more about, am I safe with you? Yeah, and I mean, obviously I never gave you any kind of indication that I would be protective of you. I mean, in other situations, yeah. Yeah, and another example is, you know, I would constantly argue about you not taking me out, right? Like, oh, we're not doing anything on Friday or, you know, but but it's not about you not taking me out. The bigger picture was, Hey, I want you to actually try to be creative, you know, show me that you care, even if it means like, I don't know, right? Taking me to the movies. Yeah. We just never did that stuff in the beginning of our relationship. And I think it goes into something we're going to talk about in a little bit, but I was just very focused on like 
chilling, relaxing, you know, watching a movie or just being at the house, just being with you. I viewed the whole going out as like a like a object in the way of like returning back home to chill. Um, yeah, like I need to get to this so we can go back home and chill. Exactly. It was like a checklist. It was like a objective. But going back to what I said, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. But I was you know, acting like how I wanted to express it, not necessarily how you want it to be loved. Exactly. So like with me, like I would love to just chill and that's my quality time. You know, your quality time is going out. And I was too young at the time to even think that in depth. I know it seems very like rudimentary right now, but back then it was, I had never thought about that. Yeah. That was never a thought that came through my head. An example from my perspective of our fights was the controlling aspect, I would say. Not that I would actively think like, don't let Urhe control you. But, you know, I did have like a lot of outside influences, whether it was direct or indirect. Long story short, I had this image in my head, this concept in my head that the man has to be in charge. Yeah. And whenever I would tell you something, you would hate that I was telling you, you would perceive it as like me telling you what to do. Yeah. I was, I got like instantly defensive or, you know, I just viewed it as nagging. I didn't view it, no matter how helpful you were trying to be, I didn't like view it like that. And, and exactly. I, I think an example of that was when you were at UC Merced and I would constantly tell you to study. Oh, gosh, and I hated that. And you just hated me telling you to study. And I think a big part of that, too, is because I know I should have been studying and it was just annoying to... Not annoying, but like... Like your mom. Made me feel even worse. Yeah, nagging. Yeah. Yeah, nagging. Switching over to ragging on Urhe. Um, go ahead, babe. Tell him. Tell him. Did we kind of mention it, though, how it would ruin every single one of your trips? I'm not sure if we have, but let's get into it, shall we? Oh gosh, yeah, I had a really bad problem. I mean, you, mind you, you never went on a lot of trips. Yeah, which is even worse in your case. Yeah, because the few trips that I did go on, it was not enjoyable. Like I remember there was a time where I was in San Diego, we were getting ready to go out and you know go to like the bars or whatever, and I was with my boy Ray, and we're in an Uber, about to go downtown, have a good time. Um, and I just remember texting, "Oh hey, she's texting me nonstop. I don't even remember about what, but I was just trying to get off the phone." Probably because you were going to a bar. Yeah, and she was just, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm talking for you. Let, let's hear it. Let's hear it. I don't know. I don't know what the bigger picture in that argument was. I think I was just very again immature. And even though you never cared that I went out, but some for some reason it was much more of a big deal if you went out, right? Yeah, but maybe because I never really did. So I guess I would always just assume the worst. I don't know. And to be fair, like all your friends were single, dude. You know my friend group. Like imagine us at a bar. Like it exactly. wasn't like we're not like actively but, picking up chicks, but getting me, digits, like, having a competition. What were you guys doing? Why are you going to the bar? If you're I don't know. Be- I didn't like it. I, didn't, <laughs> I, just, I hated it. <laughs> I don't like going to the bar. Anyways. Yeah. I feel like we've talked enough about how bad our relationship was. And I just want to paint a clear picture here. We're obviously only talking about the negatives. So going back to our previous point, it's easy to think our whole first four or five years of our relationship was just pure horrible time but which is not the case it's not i think we're also focusing on the negatives too because that's what's going to help people you know we're we're trying to be very genuine about our struggles i don't care what anyone says long-term relationships are hard as hell i don't care what anyone also shows on their social media how many pictures they're posting together it's true when they say that you wake up every day choosing to love that person. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you truly have to work for it. Just like anything you want, really. Anything you want in this life, you work for it. And that includes your significant other. And I think that's what a lot of us lose in the transition of, you know, going from year one to two to so on and so forth. Yeah. So enough bad. 
about our relationship as of right now because we're going to go back to yeah yeah we'll get we'll get back to that but so now we've moved past year three bear with us guys uh <laughs> years four and five were very good um we had our best anniversary our fifth anniversary i rented no i didn't rent i booked rent. <laughs> yeah <Jesus laughs> imagine you rented a cruise <laughs> ship for me <laughs> hella crazy no i booked two spots for me and that i had to go in one of those like boats that every like high school student goes on in san francisco like those boat ride tour things it was really cool it they was had, they had some guy singing that was a beautiful voice had good food good views it was it was a great time it was just yeah i till this day say that that was our best anniversary celebration or whatever i guess another good thing about our relationship too from the start i know we talked about how it kind of was bad in the beginning with us having separate lives but we never became that stereotypical couple where you form into each other's personality. And I think that saved us in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I've never been that type to, and obviously you haven't either, to be like completely up the other person's ass. Like that's... Nope. My mom also, which Ted hates when I say this. My mom, Yeah, this is something we don't agree on. Go ahead. Yeah. My mom always taught me from a very young age, never give someone that hundred percent of your heart because you need that one percent for you give them 99 keep that one percent for you and obviously how she said it may not have been the best way because you love someone with all the all your heart but i think to her it meant always have self-love and always put yourself first because if you don't do that in a relationship that's when i think that's when things get yeah right i, I know I, I see what you're saying for sure not not that i necessarily disagree but for example as far as like i don't think i would necessarily say that i put myself first not to say that i don't love myself but the way i view it is like all right like for me right now in this exact moment like i know i'm good like you know i'm happy like a like you know my but if you weren't that's the thing if you weren't happy and you're yeah. going through your stuff and you're not prioritizing you know your mental health all of this then you being in a relationship it, it doesn't serve you in that aspect yeah. because if you don't love yourself, then you can't love another person. You, I think it's just hard for you to see that because you've always just been very happy. Go I swear Ted doesn't have any mental health issues. <laughs> Whereas I am just like a ball of, I don't know, everything in the DSM. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's why, like I said, like I've, I've always been good. Just me and myself, like as a person, I guess, like with my psyche, you are, you've mental health, Yeah. You've always whatever. been very confident in yourself. So that's why I'm not afraid to like put her first or put whoever needs to be put first in whatever situation that, that we're talking about. You see you it know? as me reserving love. Yeah. Yeah, or, that's 100%. But that's, yeah, but how. that's not how she obviously meant it. I think she just meant it like you just need your individuality. I, I viewed it and as And you the, also have to think, sorry to cut you off. You also have to think like this is a Middle Eastern woman who was raised to everything be for your husband. So when she's telling me this, she's thinking of it as, no, I'm raised to give 100% and I'm left with nothing. See, that's, the, that's leading to my exact point though. Like when you're planning for plan A, right? Like, you know, plan A for me was... PA school, whatever. Um, I devoted 1 million percent of my time, my efforts, and my energy into that. Like, I'm not really a, a plan B type of person. And say, so, you know, same thing like football. If that 1%, save that for yourself in case you get hurt, right? That's like the theory. That's the concept. Oh, so you're seeing it as like you're going in, you know, with caution. When yeah. You shouldn't do that. Well, that's, yeah. No, I don't think anyone should go in with yeah. caution. I think. I mean, I keep no, saying I no. think a lot of your experiences have been very positive that have led you to think this way. If you're talking to someone else who's maybe had a little bit more um, challenges with love yeah. or relationships, they're not going to view it like, no, I need to make sure for the rest of my life, like I will never be yeah. in a situation where someone is above me or I'm putting someone before me. 
you know, and I think we're just very lucky that we, that you can, I mean, I'm very lucky that you can sit here and say confidently, like, I will always put you first, you know? Yeah. And just to clarify though, like, as far as, you know, other people having more challenges with their previous relationships, what I was trying to say is that when, once you get to that part of the relationship where, you know, you're six months in, you're a year in, what have you, to not still have that wall up. Cause that's not going to serve. Like once, once you know that person you're with, like that's your person. At some point you're going to have to bring down your wall or barrier. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there. Okay. So you want to talk about this next part? This part I think is going to be the hardest we talk about just because it's much more recent and not a lot of people know. Still about. not recent though. It was like over three and a half years ago, but yeah. Right. It's 2019. 2019. Yeah. 2018, yeah. 2019. Yeah. 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 2019 actually. Yeah. It was, um, Year six. Year six. After year six. And I just got to the point where I was doing a little bit better as far as not to, you know, obviously not all the blames on me and I'm def I'm anyways, I'll let Arhe explain her side, but from the way I view it is that, you know, it got to the point with Arhe where she kind of had enough. Yeah. I think at this point every argument we had was redundant and nothing was changing. Honestly, it got to a point where I was ready to give up in the relationship and I just said, I I need to leave. I mean, I didn't, but also very selfish of me. Ted talked kind of about how he didn't take school seriously. And again, me always thinking about the future. I was finishing up grad school. You were trying to get into PA school and I held a lot of resentment that, you know, here I am about to go into my career and start, you know, my actual adult life, and I'm feeling held back by you for now I'm going to have to wait till I'm married, because we always talked about we're going to get married at 25, 26, you know, it's just very immature. We all have these certain ideations of what our life is going to be like. And I think I just had a crisis of like, oh, shoot, like my life's not turning out the way I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And whether the whole getting married at 25 was realistic or not, I mean, for our situation, obviously it wasn't, but whether that was realistic or not, I mean, you had, she had a f- fair point in everything like she felt as far as, you know, she was in her master's. And at that point, I just started to get serious about my school. So yeah, it was like, yeah. And it was like six years, not six whole years, but it was me always trying to get you take life seriously. Cause I always thought of it like I'm doing this for us. Like I'm taking school so seriously because I need to be successful for our future. And I just hated that you never saw it that way when, but again, you're 23, 22, like who sees it that way when they're that young? Yeah. And I mean, I agree with you. And plus whether you realize it or not, I'm sure once you were in your grad program and I was still an undergrad and still in my old ways of thinking, acting, so on and so forth, you know, that for sure had to put some kind of barrier between between not between us but you know that added fuel to the fire and yeah another thing too is we kind of figured out that we weren't loving each other how the other person needed to be loved so i know i feel like this is now the new thing on social media of you talking about your love language but it's true like do you want to talk about like what's your love language oh one million percent physical freaking touch yeah and number two uh quality time and like my quality time is like i thought it was a universal thing but i guess it's not my quality time definition is freaking chilling doing nothing cuddling and cuddling (laughs) honestly straight up yeah my number one number one love language and probably i i want to say like this is number this is like 95 percent, and the other is like one percent two percent is acts of service i am through and through not only do i love to be loved with acts of service but that's how i show my love i hate words of affection i've always been someone who words don't matter to me your and, actions do which and, is extremely ironic because i'm a cheese ball especially with words yeah. honestly 
Yeah. And it, I just don't like – I don't like fluff. Like – I don't like prom empty promises. Oh I don't, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I, I stopped doing that stuff. That was a. I don't even know if I yeah, started. Yeah, like you can but. tell me that I'm your world or I'm your universe, but show me. Yeah. You know. With veggies, what? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, what were you saying? So love languages. Yes, at this point in our relationship. Ted just was not meeting my love language, which was acts of service. He was doing everything he thought. Like, he he was loving me in his own language. Yeah. Like, I, and again, I didn't put, like, I didn't think, like, oh, I need to take her out. I need to assess how she wants to be loved. That, that was a wild concept for me, honestly. <laughs> and again, this is another thing Men, that sounds, please so, listen up. sounds so rudimentary, but, like, I don't know. Like, again... As far as speaking to guys here, like imagine like your girl doesn't like if you like physical touch and she does and she hates physical touch, like you'd get pissed. You know what I mean? Not pissed, but you'd Yeah. It's it's not that I hate physical touch, but your love languages go back and forth. You give me mine and I'll give you yours. But that wasn't happening. Cause even me, okay, you didn't give me acts of service. How am I going to, you know, show you that physical love? How am I going if yeah. I'm not feeling like like my love tank isn't being filled, how can I fill yours? Yeah, and I never ever viewed it like that. So that's why I like and do things that I thought at the time you were supposed to be doing. You know, I never assessed, hey, maybe there's a reason for this or why is she doing or not doing said thing. Um yeah, it's just it's just really important to for any relationship, and I know I'm speaking to the crowd here, but again, it was just such a wild, wild concept for me to grasp. And I know it kind of makes it seem like, oh, Ted had to be doing all of this. and okay, But I, for the longest time in the relationship, that's why I got to a point of resentment. I just felt like I was constantly just doing whatever you, like whatever would fulfill you, that it left me empty. And that's something that I would, I would never want. I would never want someone to... I don't think any person, guy or girl, should want their significant other to be with them just out of, you know, codependency or whatever you want to call it. But I got into a very dark stage at this point because I remember thinking, I don't care if I'm unhappy for the rest of my life, I will stay with Ted because I can't imagine hurting him that way, you know? So that year of our relationship, I was staying with him for him and not for me. And not just for him, it was, I was constantly thinking, what would other people think? Um, how would our friends react? Don't you agree that if yeah, we had absolutely. broken up, people would for sure have assumed that yeah. I had done something wrong? <laughs> yeah, she would She would for sure be painted out to be the bad guy. And I know, I mean, this podcast, we're talking a lot about how, you know, bad things that I've done. It's it's for a reason. You know, I don't want anyone to make their own interpretations of this. But the whole reason we were like in that spot that we were is a huge majority was me. Okay, don't say that. No, it's true. No, <laughs> no it's true though. I definitely for real. have my thoughts. Don't forget, I was like crazy. Yeah, that's why I, I said majority. <laughs> no, I'm being, I'm being real. Honestly, it was like, I mean, we've talked about this before too. I don't. I know, but I hate every time that you say that. Yeah, I mean, whether again, whether you hate it or not, it's true, and we both know it deep down. But yeah, so I don't want anyone to, again to make any their own interpretations and like, oh, why does Ted seem to be painted out in this bad light? But we just wanted to continue on with this being open, honest, yeah. and genuine with you guys. It was just very hard for me because all our friend group, all our family, they see you as, you know, here. not that I see you as a bad person, but they saw you know, Ted's the most genuine guy. He's the most caring. He's the most loving. He could never do this. He could never do that. And it drove me crazy. Like, am I the crazy one for feeling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She would, she would have for sure been painted out to be yeah. the bad guy. 
going back to basically accepting that I'm going to be unhappy for the rest of my life, even though now when I think back to it, it's such a wild thought. But that just goes back to how we're raised in our culture. And I think that was the first time I really kind of understood how much my culture impacted me because that's exactly what Middle Eastern women do. They put others' needs before them to the point where they crumble and they become these just like crazy old women who are constantly- You're just full of resentment. Full of resentment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that our parents are resentful, but that's- my mom raised me to be like that. She was like that. My mom puts everyone's needs before hers. Your mom does too. So that was like the, I think about it. That was my. Like, that's like all you knew. Role, that's all I knew. That was my role model. Okay. I don't care if I'm unha- I'm unhappy. My future husband's going to be happy. And that's I'm, all I, would, I, should... I would hate that. That's obviously not any type of relationship to live. That's whether it's the guy or the girl in that situation. And I remember it got to a point where you had came over one day. And you left and you came and then you called me and said, like, are you home? Like, I'm going to come back real quick. I needed to, I don't know, you made up some kind of excuse. I thought it was weird. Anyways, you, know, you pulled up and then you told me to sit down in your car. And I remember, long story short, you said, you know, I don't know if I could do this anymore. And it was so weird because at that moment, like, you'd expect, like, a lot of anger, emotions, rage even. You know, this is my girlfriend of six years. Like, like what the hell is going on? But it was weird. It was just like a moment of clarity kind of like everything like slowed down like i got to focused and within a millisecond i was like shit man like i've this is all my fault like again i hate when you say that but that's okay it's it isn't all my fault but anyways that's what i was thinking then i was like shit like it truly truly was just a moment of clarity i remember i said something like like do you want to go inside like we can talk about it and i said it very calmly yeah and i remember thinking like what like i just told you that i'm thinking of breaking up with you and you're I would think that I would need to like drive away. That's why I asked you to come into my car because I was just expecting you to, you know, run off, not run off, but you know what I mean. You know, get mad, you know, just get get emotional, get mad. Yeah. So why did you say, even though you were, un- you were also unhappy in the relationship because I also yeah. wasn't giving you what you needed. So yeah, yeah. why did you, why was it me who was so ready to leave, but you were willing to stay? To be honest, that thought never ever came into my head. And I just think that I knew you're too good of of a woman to let go like i knew that you had all the qualities that i like want in a woman i want in my future wife so like that thought of breaking up with you was never like a and i kind of viewed it as i knew we were both unhappy so we're just in that weird stage where none of us really put in effort and we're both just cool with it and we just kind of did our own thing (laughs) or quote unquote in a relationship Yeah. yeah i think the turning point for me in the relationship going back to how I felt like you would collapse without me. Mm-hmm. That is so typical of also Middle Eastern women where they feel a very big codependency with people that they're, you know, they love or yeah. care for. So I felt like you needed me. So I didn't have a choice, right? Like I was unhappy staying with you because I didn't have a choice that I wanted to stay with you. It was like, no, I have to do this for Ted, for my family, for our friends. Yeah. For everyone but me. And I remember telling Ted this and he said, oh, hey, I was fine before you and I'll be fine after you. And I'm not kidding. Those words were everything I needed to hear for me to be like, oh, then I do have a choice in loving you. And I choose to love you and I want to continue to choose to love you. And I, I remember that moment and it sounds very harsh just how... Not how she said it, but you know, when you hear it, it sounds harsh. But well, you also said it when I said like you're gonna crumble without me. <laughs> yeah, she said like she yeah she told me that, and then I said like you know word for word, I said like okay, not to be a dick, but I was good before you. I'll be good, God forbid, after you too. Like it's 
that's not the issue here. And I remember her like, she like instantly got comfortable in her face. I don't know. It was weird to like felt that. You could that, see, yeah, see it on like, me. It's like all the words I've been wanting to hear too. Cause I felt trapped for the longest time. And here I am. You were like setting me free. Right. Yeah. Like you'll be fine without me. And so it made me take a step back and think like, okay, okay. Then everything I was putting in my head, every, all the codependency that I was feeling was all made up. Well, that's, I don't, I, very few people know about this stage in our relationship. Very few. Yeah. But I'm glad that we're talking about it. And I just hope that it helps others who are in a relationship where they're just feeling like in their, in a rut, you know? You know, if, even if it helps one single person that's listening, that's, that's more than enough yeah, for either of us. Yeah. I just don't, I would hate for anyone to feel like they need to give up on something good. Okay, enough with the negative stuff. Let's uh, switch it up to talking about what helped us and any kind of tips and pointers. I think a huge help for me was I got my degree in behavior analysis. And those two years changed my entire perspective on life, how I communicate with others, how I interact with others, understanding others' behaviors, their function of their behaviors. So when we would argue... I was able to kind of reflect on my own emotions and I got very good at being logical. And that was not something that I was strong with in the beginning of our relationship. I was very reactive to my emotions. Whereas after, you know, I had some training, um, I don't know. I think I just was able to take a step back and practice things like, I don't know. um, Just we switched from like me versus her to us versus the problem. Or I, I even remember, I mean, obviously a lot of relationship arguments when you're not married are through text yeah so i remember looking at the text and thinking like wow this is very literally this is very mature i remember thinking mm-hmm. that she's very logical in what she's talking about like very calm i think the number one thing too is don't freaking argue through text but if you do because i know everyone's going to do it me and ted did this thing where when we felt so escalated and the person was just not hearing us or listening to what we were saying we would type the word te- uh, break. And that was like a rule where after someone says break, you can no longer text them. You have no idea how much it helps just taking a step back for even two minutes. Yeah. Because when you're texting, it was just like, boom, 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 boom. Like I need to sit, you're saying everything that's coming to your head. You're not giving yourself any time to reflect. No. But taking a break and just, you know, calming down for those two minutes, it's like, oh crap, I overreacted. Or you know what? Maybe I need to explain it this way. Or hey, even I need to look back through the text and see what the heck the other person was saying yeah because i remember the, in the beginning a lot of our arguments why i got mad at her was like you know i would say like it feels like i'm talking to a wall because i would ask the same question over and over and over but you know when she's sending seven texts in a row i'm sending five back and forth a million times questions are going to get mixed missed and yeah it's just not a good not yeah. a so arguing through text never saves you i think right now too if we start arguing through text you you actually always say like can you call me yeah I, oh, like it's had like a, an instant of like if when you're arguing over the phone it's just not the same we had one not too long ago i'm not gonna lie through text and i was like all right i effing hate arguing through text like i'll either see Ooh. you in a little bit or you can yeah. call me like that's another thing don't use condescending language when you're arguing yes we do it where we're cursing like I effing hate this, but don't, yeah, generally, but don't direct it and ever say or use words like you're this, you're being a bitch right now. You're being an asshole. You're acting like a dick. dick, We from day one have never talked to each other like that. 
Another thing too, well, I don't know if this is a general thing for a lot of people, but my pet peeve is using derogatory terms. I don't know. Derogatory might be the wrong word. Or like, like sarcasm. Sarcasm. Like deep sarcasm. Like, or are you saying like, use your common sense or this is stupid. Or like, you're funny, bro. Yeah. Or belittling the other person in an argument. Having, okay, basically respect is the big picture yeah. here. Having respect yeah. for the other so person. I hate when people argue and they they have to resort to that type of language. I don't know. I just view it as extremely disrespectful. Yeah, it's not a good practice to... But the whole taking a break thing that really... That's done a lot for us and also viewing it as, you know, us two versus the problem. You're just viewing it like, okay, how can... Literally saying, okay, how can we get to the solution of this? What's bothering you? How can I fix it? Stuff like that. And not saying how can I fix it just to get it over with, but truly, truly wanting to fix it and get to the deeper understanding yeah. of... Why is Ted mad? Why is Arhe mad? You know? And we do that too, where sometimes we both realize we're going back and forth and we have to stop and say, okay, what can we do right now to fix it? Yeah. And that instantly gets us into a solution-oriented mindset and not an emotional mindset. What would you say is the most important thing in a relationship or to do in a relationship? Do I have to only say one thing? No, I think you can give maybe your top three. Okay. Because I think there's a, a few things that contribute to a successful relationship. Most of them are going to be cliche, but I think, you know, obviously trust. And to put an example to that is like, you know, Arhe would go to Vegas with her friends a lot. Like she's been to Seattle, Vegas, San Diego, Diego LA. LA. And I, I never gave a shit because like I trust her. And literally the only thing I'd ever ask her when she got back was like, or maybe the next morning or anything like that i would ask her like okay like who hit on you did you get hit on that's it she I never, said you guys i promise you i rarely get hit on and if i do it's by really weird guys which is a great thing to hear so yeah. <laughs> and i know it's cliche but communication is obviously another one of those cornerstone foundations of relationship just putting yourself in other person's shoes seeing things from their perspective and truly like communicating with them um okay so mine are a little different I think for me, obviously communication, but um, understanding another person's love language and how they want to be loved, I think is a huge thing just because you want to be, there's how you want to be loved and how you show love, right? And yeah. those don't always mean the same thing. So understanding that about your partner and they can't love you the way you want to be loved if you're not loving them the way they want to be loved. Absolutely. My other one is self-awareness. That Wow, great answers. Neither of them are cliche. Yeah. I, I know. All these, I hate freaking when people are most of You I, just did I it. Literally you literally just, just, did, just did it. But I, I was going to tell you, I hate when people do that. I can't, I'm not creative, guys. I can't think of yeah, shit on the phone. No, self-awareness is one of the things I push for so much in relationships. Know your freaking flaws, you know? Great so it's answer. Yeah. So it's... It's never like people, I think when you're not self-aware, everything feels like someone's attacking your character. You know what I mean? But when you yeah. are self-aware, you're like, okay, yeah, I am like this. You know what I mean? It just makes it feel less like people are attacking you and you're more aware of your problems. You're more aware of like what you need to do to change. Um, it puts kind of not the blame on you, but also makes you responsible in the relationship as well. So it's not just the other person's doing this, the other person's doing that. It's like, okay, but what am I doing to contribute to that? Yeah, because now not only does the person feel bad for having to even tell you, make you aware of something that you should have already been aware of. Exactly. And lastly, for me, if you're in a relationship, please understand that you and your partner are going to change so much. Who you are this month is very different than who you may be 
the next month, the next year or whatever. And you don't need a split to figure things out. I promise you can find a way to make your relationship work while you're both are changing so much and figuring out your life. Because I mean, me and Ted are a perfect example. We went through a lot of rough patches, but we also had very beautiful moments in our relationship. But honestly, this podcast would be three days if we sat here and talked about, you know, the good things too. But yeah. They say people on average are in serious two to three serious relationships in their lives, but that doesn't mean with a different person. Do you remember that quote you saw on Facebook of that grandpa or that old guy saying like, I've dated nine women. I've dated my wife at blank. My, oh, you know? yeah. I vaguely remember that. But anyways, it was just this like quote saying how he's dated all these different women because his wife was different people at different stages of her life. You know, she when they first got married, she wasn't a mother and being a mother changes someone. Right. So she yeah. became someone different at that stage of her life. I don't know. It's just it's a good way to think about your relationship. So embrace change, embrace your change, embrace your partner's change, because trust me, if you're not changing, you're not growing. Yeah. And going back to what Hay said about, you know, you have two or three serious relationships and whether that's with different people or the same person, you know, there's multiple times where, you know, we could have called it quits. And if we listen to not listen to social media, but it, it paints a picture of, you know, leaving at the first sight of inconvenience in your relationship. And, you know, if we took that route and yeah, we wouldn't. We wouldn't have survived a month, one month. <laughs> we wouldn't be sitting here in our house that's under construction right now just to do this podcast in a quiet environment. We wouldn't be getting married in a couple months. Um, so if it's with someone that you see a future with, uh, stick it out. Yeah. The past few years of our relationship have been the best years of our lives and the healthiest that we've ever been. And yeah, we're I'm excited for our future. Very, very excited. We have a lot of good things coming up and... After nine and a half years, it's finally going to happen. Getting married, you mean? Yeah, finally, dude. I Shit. know. Start our lives. Freaking post up at home. <laughs> okay, well, I have to end this podcast now because it's been over an hour of recording, but I love you. I love you too, babe. If you guys need anyone to talk to about your relationship, please message me. Or you can message Ted. I'm yeah. sure he'd love to talk. Yeah, I don't mind whatsoever. Yeah. Ted actually gives a lot of relationship advice to young boys. Maybe not the best ones. But. That sounded very weird. Oh, yeah. That sounded so weird. Like to family members and cousins. Yeah, that... yeah. That's what I meant. Okay. Okay. Anyways, All right. Thank you, guys. Peace uh, out. Thank you, Orhei, for having me. Love you, buddy. Love you. <laughs>